This is the Off the Break Podcast, your podcast dedicated to current movie theater news, operations, and insights from the people that book the movies. Now, here are your hosts, Cody, Kyle, and Ken. All right, happy Guardians Friday. Back to Off the Break Podcast, Cinco de Mayo edition. Woo. Is that what today is? Yeah. <laughs> Lost track of the time, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> Didn't even know. Kyle rocked out in the middle of the week this week, and it threw his whole... <laughs> Kyle's too old to go to is, rock concerts is on a Wednesday night. Is what the 30s are like? Why does my neck hurt? <laughs> my voice is no. gone. Yeah. <laughs> Feels like a hangover <laughs> that's lasting way longer than it should. Kyle, Kyle went to spring break for three and a half hours, and yeah. his whole, whole week is a mess. He's like, I'm asleep all weekend. Why do people do this? <laughs> He texted me. He almost got drugged into a mosh pit. Almost. <laughs> yeah. There was one right next to us. And it, it was like the most friendliest mosh pit you've ever seen. Like if someone fell down, you wouldn't get trampled on. They'd be like, stop everything. We got to help the poor kid. Oh, right. my gosh. But I nearly got taken out of the knees while I wasn't looking because someone pushed another person too hard. And they just flew right into me. Oh, my gosh. In the early 2000s, I got wiped out in a mosh pit with my glasses on. Mm. Glasses went flying i went flying the other direction and i was scrambling to find glasses getting stepped on yeah hand stepped on and in one last reach of desperation i reached down i'm like they've got to be here i reached down grabbed my glasses yeah found them on the floor in the middle of a mosh pit of a Mm -hmm. rock concert and then there was this giant bald man next to me that was getting ready to either punch me in the face or knock me down again (laughs) and he, I, was, I gave him the thumbs up, and he lifted me up and threw me over the fence so I could re- recalibrate myself. But it was literally like my worst nightmare as like a 14-year-old. I'm like, yeah. I broke my glasses. I wouldn't have been at a Warped Tour, would it? It was absolutely at a Warped a Tour. A Warped Tour. That's where I was at 14, 15. The Warped Tour. <laughs> oh, well... We're done waxing nostalgic here. We're <sighs> on to Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. These aren't your your mother's Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> Actually, well, they are. I think they are, your, exact, they exactly are your mother's the Guardians, and I think they're a little tired. A little tired? Is that what yeah. you're feeling? That's what I'm feeling, a little tired. You Did you see the Thursday numbers on par with Guardians 2? Yeah, but I feel like there's been some juicing of those numbers. <laughs> This isn't baseball in Maybe. the 90s. <laughs> There's no juicing going on here. These are all straightforward, straight straight from Disney's mouths to our ears. 17.5 million. Biggest Guardians opening, early show opening ever. Ooh. The last Guardians was five, six years ago, so I don't even remember what the openings were. So, so it said okay. it was 17 million for number two. It was in the, was it? So, it was um, in the golden era of the pre-pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> This is the biggest Two different opening. names of yeah. the eras. It's the biggest <laughs> Thursday before 5 p.m. opening ever. I feel like this is the uh, you know ESPNing of of stats where yeah. it's like on a Thursday before three o'clock. This is the most tickets ever sold <laughs> to this baseball game to to an audience. Yeah, <laughs> between the ages of 14 and 16. Oh, but you know it's we're we're hitting that level of superhero fatigue, but this is going to be a solid title, a solid opener yeah. that's that's going to hold on, has to hold on. I mean for the to. three for two weeks before Fast X opens for the exact same audience. Yeah. yeah. I mean over a hundred million for openings are should still be considered really good. Like it's crazy that there's people who are like, only hundred and twenty million, which yes, we want more, but 
we still get o- over a hundred million openings like they're nothing still. So yeah, yeah this is what's going to be expected from this one. So you should be excited about it. And we're going to see not that you know fast fast and furious not that every week something is going to go over a hundred, but we're going to see fifty plus million dollar openings almost every week until August. <laughs> I mean, it's it's really a solid. It set of films solid. we have a great slate this summer june looks really fantastic july is not the strongest july i've ever seen but not bad indiana jones opens one day before july consider indiana jones july cody <laughs> i said june looked really good okay <laughs> it's it's one day of june it's all all the meat of indiana jones is in meat. july is it mission impossible also in july yes mission like impossible the middle is of in it? july yeah and but that's really and barbie all I see. and oppenheimer just those don't, are in July? You don't poo-poo on July. July is... Jeez, what's in June? I know. <laughs> <laughs> that you think everything's going to be awesome in that month. Now i got to refresh myself. Because this is ridiculous. June is Joyride, the movie that Cody's most excited mm-hmm. about for June. <laughs> Joyride does look awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I still am mad I didn't see it when I was in Austin. That, uh, that was such a bummer. I, let's see. We've got Memorial Weekend with Little Mermaid... The machine and mm-hmm. about my father. So those are May titles. I'm gonna say that's May. Then I've then we've got Spider Verse, uh, yeah. and then we've got uh, Transform Transform Transformers and Element, and then we've got Elemental and the Flash. Flash. There we go. And then we've got Indiana Jones it, is what caps it. Yeah, yeah. There is Harold in the purple crayon, but we have an inkling that. That will probably be pushed back. Sin- we just haven't seen anything from right. it. Right, so there's just is, no marketing yeah. material on it, and we're 60 days out or whatever. Similar with so. About My Father. We're pretty skeptical that that is going to be a thing. Yeah, although it's the difference is Sony's usually very good about getting you a one sheet and you know a trailer and stuff at, at least 60 days out, and we don't have any of that for Harold. Lionsgate does have that stuff for about my they've father. got a, a, some stuff in the market but we're 20 days out like it's right. it's time to <laughs> give us a little something let's, let's get moving this on isn't this. the pandemic days where you gave us a movie two days before <laughs> right. booking. Like, we've had some interesting this. ones like that yeah yeah those love, days are over don't you remember, don't do that anymore. remember love and monsters Yes. We booked it on like a Wednesday for Friday opening. Right. We're you... like, okay, this is happening. We're really doing this, but we're on it. Can you give us a trailer? Uh, maybe. Yeah. I don't know if we ever got <laughs> if a we have There was, the, there was a, a voodoo one that we had that didn't have a trailer, didn't have one sheets. Do you remember that one? It was oh, like yeah. a plane craft voodoo. I remember one of our clients is no like, idea. we don't do voodoo <laughs> movies. That's all I remember uh, about know, that one. That classic oh, genre. Yeah. We, don't, we don't mess with voodoo. We don't a... mess with voodoo. It's like, okay, we haven't had a movie in months, but that's fine. Okay. We all have our thing. It's fine. Yeah. And my question was, is there a lot of voodoo in movies? I I was trying to pull, like, I couldn't get to five with movies that Mm -hmm. actively featured voodoo. I mean, I guess all five of the Pirates Caribbean have that one voodoo character, I guess. (laughs) Or, like, she was a witch or something. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe maybe that counts as your five movies, if you like. But but most of my list was, like, sequels. It was, like, Predator 2, Mm -hmm. Weekend at Bernie's 2. (laughs) Like, I was running out real fast. I'm sensing a pattern with the quality of those. Yeah, no, there were a lot of bad sequels <laughs> that involved voodoo in the 80s and early 90s. They're like, we're going to bump this up here. We're really going to freak some people out. Well, speaking of voodoo, how about we talk about 3D glasses real quick? 
Way to go, Kyle. Nailed yeah. it. Yeah, I, I like to give it a, a chance every once in a while. Kyle knows he gets to go home after this podcast. Yeah, we're <laughs> like he's, cooking in the lawn. He's, he's moving through this as fast as he can. Well, I'm just thinking about the listeners. We've probably capped at how much we can talk Three. about voodoo at that point. <laughs> um, so, so with the slate, the summer slate, you know, there's... There's so much attendance that studios are going to have. So they're really pushing for 3D for those upcharges. And so I the next few titles, they're really asking for more 3D representation. So just when we thought like 3D was dead and gone, Avatar comes out, everybody got the systems up and running, and now the studios are like, well, since you played Avatar in 3D, why don't we play Transformers Guardians, and Guardians Mermaid, Transformers. Yeah. and all these films? And you're like, well, audiences don't really care for 3D, but they're like, well, we really like that upcharge. So <laughs> we really like the support in that upcharge yeah, for yeah. this. So this, so theaters are having to do more 3D shows than I think they had been prepared to do at this point, given how the 3D was declining pre-pandemic. But then we've also run into another issue where post-pandemic audiences are becoming a little unruly. They're, it's like people forgot how to act in public oh, and yes. to act like civilized. <laughs> and so these theaters now are running into massive issues with equipment and people breaking or destroying or walking off with the 3D glasses. And mm. it's, it's different if you have the equipment that has the powered... Are they powered 3D glasses? Yeah. There's some that are powered 3D glasses. I've never been or... to one of those that have, have like the, the heavy duty 3D experience. I've always right. been like the real D where it's a passive passive 3D experience. Just enough to give you a migraine. Not, yeah. not, enough, <laughs> not enough to put you in the world, I guess. <laughs> not as visceral as you would like yeah, it to be. I don't want to... <laughs> I've never, you know, run screaming out of the theater because I assume it that felt so real. something's going to attack. <laughs> So a lot of theaters are now starting to implement fines, fees, checkout systems for their 3D. And it just, I think many theaters should pause. And as we experience technology growing and changing the theatrical experience, having technology aid us in the movie going experience, theaters need to think of that technology as equipment and how, you know, and have policies and procedures in place so that they can safely, that the customers can safely use the equipment and the equipment can be safely returned back to the theater. Cause it's very, very expensive. No, nothing. I think audiences don't appreciate that nothing in the theater is cheap. Like mm-hmm. the, from all of the projection, the sound, the screen, every, the, even the seat that they're on is thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars worth of equipment of, of build up to show you mm-hmm. a movie for $12. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's just, um, so, so we were just suggesting here at off the break podcast, really look at your 3d equipment, look at any equipment, look at your, um, hearing impaired equipment, your, um, you know, disability equipment, all of that stuff in your theater, anything that a customer would use in the theater, look at it and create processes and procedures to protect it. So you're saying you're pro like paper use toilet at a theater? I'm not saying I'm not, but have you seen what people leave behind sometimes in those movie theater toilets? Yeah. No. I, I feel like there needs to be a quarter system like the laundromat where you put it in and then, right. then, then the cover opens up 
<laughs> and you may use it. Like those benches that have the spikes and you have to put a quarter in to sit down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I so I imagine that if a theater was to implement a um, system for fees when it comes to their equipment, such as with 3D, I would expect that there would be some audiences that would have a turnoff by that. They found out. Do you think it would be a I, large drop off or a small one? Because I, I would view it as a small one. one. Yeah. And this is really only for certain sh- showings. Like, yeah. you're not going to do, you're rarely going to do a full screen of 3D unless you have enough screens in your complex to accommodate that. So you're just looking at a show or two. And I would always say that these should probably be your smaller auditoriums. Um, and I don't think it's, I don't think it's that much of an issue. Mm-hmm. I, I do think you're going to get pushback from, from, you know, the customers. Don't get me wrong. There's always pushback if there is any bit of an inconvenience or hurdle to getting what they want mm-hmm. or paying for something extra. So you're always going to have that, but eventually you're going to, what you're trying to do is just train them on good behavior yeah. and then you're punishing them if they have bad behavior, which they need to be reminded of because it's becoming a real issue. Unfortunately, businesses now have to be babysitters, but yeah, yeah. that's the idea of it. All right. So well, I think we got well, that out of the way. Speaking of babysitters, we're going to talk about the writer's strike next. <laughs> yeah. Hey, that I'm, was a good I'm just going to make the, these crazy transitions, Kyle. <laughs> yeah. Keep it moving. Keep it moving. So what's going on in the writer's strike, Kyle? What is the update? Well, the update is that it happened this week uh, and... I think it's been like three or four days into it, and right now it's not letting up. We haven't heard of any news that uh, the the distributors, the streaming services, are in talks to make changes to the to the demands of the Writers Guild, which is the compensation, especially with more product happening lately, especially in part of the streamers. Mm-hmm. Writers need to be compensated better for that, and so that's why we're having this strike to begin with. Um, right now, it just seems like. They're mostly angry towards the streaming services aspect of it, which makes sense. Like those are uh, where a lot of the product is going to lately. And most likely with the way that they just spend and spend, they don't have the same compensation going towards the writers as with the talent. I think that what they're finding is that they're not getting the same residual income Mm -hmm. off of streaming product that they are, say, theatrical product. Right. And the residual income goes into a lot of the stuff that the guild offers. It goes into paying like pensions for the guild, medical stuff for the guild. And is there at a time when you're in between projects, it's not like as a writer or a director or anybody, you have consistent work at not a consistent nine to five. These sometimes these are, Project downtime, project downtime. And so you need some income to be able to survive the downtimes. And that's part of where residual income comes in is that it allows the creatives to have something coming in during the downtime when they're in between their projects. So that, so residuals are very, very important. It's not just a money grab here. And what they're finding is that the residuals on the streaming income are so small that it just that it needed to be renegotiated. I mean, let's that. remember back to Scarlett Johansson's uh, negotiations with Disney when Black Widow was coming out. Right. That was the day and date of Black Widow. She was Widow. losing her back end of right. uh, what a, whatever it was going to make theatrical. Right, and there weren't deals at that time mm-hmm. for actors to begin with that 
would have that compensation on streaming services. Mm-hmm. So, or those... what happened to the theatrical back end when you diluted it by going day and date with streaming? Yeah, so streaming services are probably more willing to do that with the actors in front of the camera, those types of talents, but mm-hmm. they're probably hoping to skate by on not doing that with the writers, and clearly the writers have just caught on. Right. So writers should be more excited about writing for things like films as yeah. opposed to television and streaming so that those films get residuals from being bought by streaming networks mm-hmm. after a theatrical release and there's different revenue streams available versus you write something for Netflix they have a budget they put it on Netflix and then that's it right and then it disappears into the ether I think so, you summed it up really well so they should support movie theaters also weird that wouldn't be a bad idea <laughs> strange um, I think what's super what's going to be super interesting is next week at, you know, a, a, a roughly about a week after the writer strike, depending upon when you're listening to this podcast, um, the Directors Guild is supposed to vote about their possible strike. And, and while they haven't had a history really of striking, I think just one other time in their past, their residual income issue with streaming is at the forefront. And so mm-hmm. I think it's kind of one thing to lose writers because studios are like, well, we'll just get AI to write to write up f- scripts because this is just about turn it's just about content creation and turn forget about quality right we don't care about quality <laughs> and in this moment we can skate by yeah but you can't do that without a director and that is a physical on the ground you know position so that i think that will lend itself more if you if you see the directors joining the writers in this and creating that residual income bump and hopefully you sorry you go oh yeah no f- go ahead i was just gonna say and hopefully if they do join that would mean that this gets done a lot quicker and mm-hmm. a fair deal gets arranged so that way we're not having to deal with possibly less movies going to theaters or possibly less of good quality movies going to theaters or movies that just are written by robots written by the ai which would that would just be like a twilight zone nightmare scenario as long as or the twilight movies yeah (laughs) or as long as as long as this doesn't go more than 60 days you won't see a delay in product no i don't think so and and if you do see a delay in product it won't be this year it'll be like two years from now we'll have a like a big lull and we'll be like what happened (laughs) (laughs) remember that thing yeah because that's kind of what we're seeing now three years out of the pandemic is that that initial downturn in production limited amount of limited stuff like a year to two down the road because Mm -hmm. of just the process it goes through yeah, it was a it was our own supply chain issue. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> as far as content went, but uh, yeah, this summer after naming all the films that you have, it's like it's like we're back to w- pre-pandemic levels to like a maximum. Like right. we have, we don't have enough room, in even in big complexes for all the all these movies to come in and yeah. stay and be successful. Mm-hmm. Too much product, but we, it's not quite too much, but it's awesome. It's, yeah, no, it's awesome, but it's right at the cusp of being, like, too much. Like, you feel like it's a uh, normal August or September where they dump a bunch of crap, and you have to keep everybody happy and bring everything in and yeah. play a bunch of B-movies at once and things like that. Ooh, busy. I know. 
<laughs> Cody but. just mentally realized what the summer is about I'm to be, like, so she's oh like, God. "Okay, okay, just this is good." Yeah, no, but up. but the movies are all solid. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm genuinely excited. I am excited to book the, stuff. The numbers are going to be, you know, once we get through this year, we're going to be looking at 2016, 2017 numbers mm-hmm. for the total year, and you're going to be like, "Okay, well, that's not as good as 2019." Well, 2019 was the best year ever. Right. And I don't think we'll ever get back to that year. I yeah. I don't. I don't think it's it's out out of reach though. It's not out of reach, but just I I wouldn't put my expectation that we could get back to it. I just want I what take my, a dump on everyone's parade, no, Cody. What I think would be great <laughs> is if we had a steady thrumming stream of like good content, so we didn't have the highs and lows because that's what gets theaters is is the the valleys um because what we're seeing is that the when it goes down when you don't have a good weekend it's so bad mm-hmm. i mean it's like all or nothing and i just would rather hum it along at a really consistent oh, pace yeah. no i mean august and september last year was just as bad as some of our COVID months oh my god as far yeah. as what we were getting released sure yeah it i would. mean we had we had bullet train and that was it Pretty much. <laughs> I mean, even they're like barbarian surprises with ten million dollar opening. <laughs> like that was what we were excited about. Like, Beast opens to five million dollars oh nationwide. Hey, better than zero. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Remember I'm the like, zero year? I'm like, where was the five million had? Like, where was it had? It was not had at our theaters. Yeah, who did that? Yeah, who, was it you? Which was it you? you? Yeah. yeah. Who hoarded that money? <laughs> The biggest Idris Elba fan. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of money, I want to talk about my pop culture topic this week. Let's go okay. for it. Paramount Plus reporting a $151 million loss so far moving forward <laughs> with 60 million subscribers. Which probably isn't a lot, I take it. I mean, that's... That's, that's a, more than I thought they had. That's huge. That's okay, a that's, massive number. I mean, okay, I wasn't sure. Paying, even if sixty million are paying a dollar a month, I get mm-hmm. it's a big it's a big number. But when they're talking about like Netflix numbers, which which is where everybody wants to be, that's like two hundred million no, subscribers. No, I get it. It's just they have spent so much money on their own content and buying licensing and moving things around and being the only place you can mm-hmm. see this and this and this. Mm-hmm. It's so much money was spent that you can't possibly recoup this amount. It is such a crazy number. Yeah. That Paramount is, you know, they make movies for successful movies well, for 20, it, 20 million dollars. How, how mm-hmm. much do you say was the loss? It's 151 million. Well, wasn't Disney's like oh, Disney's was a billion dollars? Of course it was, but Disney, we knew Disney's that. was over a billion. Yeah. And but, <laughs> I feel like that's really good. Congratulations, Paramount. Paramount. Doesn't have theme parks. Paramount doesn't have cruises. <laughs> they don't have they don't have a cruise division where a boat costs a billion dollars. Man, okay? don't get don't I, give these studios Paramount, ideas. Yeah. Paramount is very exciting, but you know, for them to report this loss and then have people picketing specifically outside of the Paramount Studios for the writer's strike. Oh. Remember the olden days of they've, CBS All Access and no one saw wow. them. I guess in a way, like how far they've come is pretty impressive. Se- Seal Team 6 only on. Yeah. You want to see Seal Team 6 and Star Se- Trek? On CBS All Access. Oh, maybe we should get a few more things. Yeah. And then they got Top Gun Maverick and everybody's like, yay. And then we got 60 million subscribers. <laughs> yeah. 40... 49 million of which forgot they have Paramount+. Plus. Imagine if CBS All Access was still a thing and then Top Gun Maverick. 
<laughs> they wouldn't handle all of those subscribers. There's no way. It'd explode. <laughs> yeah. Computers would fry everywhere. Well, Kyle is going to go a little more highbrow yeah. with his. Yeah, Kyle, this week. what's your pop culture reference? The Met Gala. What is it? <laughs> what does it do? Every girl. What is it for? Every girl makes the same face Cody just did. I did. Squee! <laughs> so exciting. I am not a girly girl by any means. I don't follow fashion or makeup or any of that stuff. But for some reason, I like the weird odd dresses at the Met Gala. Like I, hate I just it. like seeing the weirdos come out. They're not practical. Yeah, like the that's thing about what's awesome about it. Fashion this... needs to look good but also have some practicality to no. it. There's people dressed up all in glitter with like yeah, this is costume balloons for dresses and I'm like this none of this no one would wear this in public. That's that's the thing cuz it's costuming, Kyle. It's not runway fashion that translates into your everyday wear this is just costuming and i i'm there for the costuming but it but then that's it that's yeah. all it is or yeah like i don't get it why do people show it's up? Why one do people time like where it? they just get to go out in elaborate dress-up costumes halloween Except, exists yeah, halloween <laughs> exists that. and they're also actors they pretend for a living yeah none of the things they wear are things they wear in real life yeah this year's Met Gala pictures I saw just remind me so much of the elites at Hunger Games that I just had shivers from it. Like I don't, I don't like it. <laughs> it's so, it's so weird. It's too realistic yeah. in a way. Kyle's wearing cargo shorts, Cody. He is the most practical person ever. Yeah, they're comfortable. People still wear them. That's good fashion. Well, I'm maybe not, not good I'm fashion, not but it's fashion practical. I just. I think it's kind of fun to see the one dress up thing. I mean, mm. you have Jared Leto in a furry cat costume, which just checks out. I'm yeah. fine with that one. And he then... was also wearing caught wearing that a week ago at the Target. <laughs> <Probably>. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's just what he wears. Okay, fine. Maybe to him that's practical. And then you got then you had Diddy there with his big black you ruffly that cape. One. That, that one thing was, cool. was awesome. And then my favorite dress of the night actually was not like a big flamboyant costume, but it was what Robert Pattinson's girlfriend, I think her name is Suki Waterhouse, mm. wore. Just it was so pretty. It was so pretty. Yeah, like that sounds that sounds perfect. Yeah. Do that. Don't don't do the the the, the crazy dress up stuff because I I don't get it. Like there's no purpose to it. You I look just weird. Think it's really fun. Like if you were gonna go. I, wouldn't you want to go in something like outlandish? Like it's the one time you can be outlandish when you're probably not normally that way. I don't they're know. All I actors, think they're all insane. Cody Pedro Pascal know. even went in like a red suit outfit, but he wore shorts. That is the <laughs> most long, normal thing. Tall you have socks. Oh, and I was sign... like, ew, don't do that. Oh, 100% sign me up to have the physique where I can wear a suit that comes with shorts. Yeah. All right. <laughs> like. <laughs> Full on, that is the best outfit that I will never the, be able to wear. The Kevin it's, Smith? No, like LeBron James. Oh. Like, yeah, basketball players. <laughs> basketball players like do that this a lot. Because they have giant tree trunk legs. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, they can't get pants for. You, that, can't, you can't afford pants for it. That literally pants. is the dress up scenario that every casual white guy would love to have but could not pull off. Like, it's only for yeah. basketball stars that can pull off, like, the suit, yeah. but with the shorts on I want to wear Jordans. I want to wear shorts. <laughs> yeah. And then I'll wear a suit and tie up top. Yeah. No problem. That's the dream. That's so funny. <laughs> speaking, speaking of that, this is a tangent topic, but we were watching a basketball game, and I was like, Ken, is he wearing leggings? And we had a whole conversation. I'm like, why are they wearing leggings? Like, it freaked me out. Like, first it started with Steph Curry's shooting arm, like... He had a shooting sleeve Compression on. sleeve thing. Yeah. 
And I'm like, well, and then some some guys had both of them on, and then and then it just delved from there into like into the leggings. Oh, that could have been bad. I nearly snorted water. On <laughs> you thought that the shooting sleeve was a legging? No, no, the the pants like the, they wear. The the oh, under under the shorts, yeah. shorts that, that stick out. Oh, yeah. okay. I just think it looks so silly, and I feel like '90s basketball players would never been caught dead in something no, like that. No, they would not have. But you know how many times I skinned my my knees and my elbows diving for loose balls in middle school and high school. Oh, that would have been a better way. Can't they just wear pants so then? No. What do they have to do? The leggings, shorts, like their sorority girls? I just don't. I don't get it. <laughs> Again. They pulled them off better than I would, so I applaud. I mean, it. Kyle doesn't get Matt Gala. I don't get this basketball shorts leggings <laughs> yeah, situation. Yeah, I get the basketball thing perfectly. Like, that checks out. To wear me. pants. I'd wear that in the Met Gala. Why don't to be they honest. just? Why don't they be brave and just wear the leggings? Maybe maybe should. the sport will evolve one day and become <laughs> that. Or be wearing like unitards running around. Aerodynamic. Yeah, be one faster one, than ever. There'd be one guy from Lithuania that wears like a bodysuit, <laughs> so there's nothing on his legs <laughs> running around out there. <laughs> freaked me out. That it's like that guy's crazy. Stay away from him. You can tell I don't watch a lot of sports, so, but I'm like, what is happening here? So was basketball the pop culture topic, or was it the Met Gala for you, or did you have anything else? Well, I had two other topics <laughs> that I was, was going like, to add. We're going to be here, folks. Yeah. So the first one was I just thought it was funny how Amber Heard has announced that she's left Hollywood and she's living full time in Madrid, Spain now. I love that it was an announcement, like yeah. a press release. Like it, yeah, like I'm leaving. I have left and now I'm fully gone from Hollywood. I might re- and she goes, I might return if a script or a project really suits me. Aquaman three. Or if I need yeah. cash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or if Spain becomes very, very expensive. Yeah. <laughs> right now it's very, very cheap to live there and they're li- giving remote visas. <laughs> yes, it's super cheap to live there. Oh, uh, that's tempting. Remote worker visas, Kyle. Mm. Kyle has the same thing with accents that you do where he can't even fake one. Yeah. <laughs> Hola. <laughs> <laughs> Como estas? <laughs> Absolutely, yes. <laughs> he's, he's all sunburned and has a bad, <laughs> bad have, accent. Have a visor yeah. on, the sunscreen yeah. under the yeah. eyes. <laughs> The white nose. Same shorts, though. Yeah. Same, Always same cargo shorts. Same cargo shorts. <laughs> um, well, that's okay, Amber Heard. Yeah. You I enjoy think. your time off. She needs it, I think, after the, all that she's been through. I would yeah. agree with that, yes. Then my second topic was something you brought up today, Kyle, about um, Carl Urban being in the second Mortal Kombat movie. Signed as, up for it. Yep. As um, Johnny. Johnny B. Good? Yeah. So Johnny something. Johnny Cage. Johnny Cage. Thank you. Okay. I could not remember the last name all of a sudden. I just broke out. I wanted to say Johnny Blaze <laughs> because of the blazer taser. Nick, Nick, Nick Cage's character. From... Blaze. Yeah. From Ghost Rider. From Ghost Rider. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyways, I was like, at first I was excited. Like, I like Carl Urban. I think he's, he's awesome. But that character in particular just needs to be more like blonde and showy in my mind. Mm, okay. Blonde and showy. Like I was, I told you that I well, thought we it have should hair be dye, so more. <laughs> that cranks out one of you them. You can't do that to Carl Urban. Who, it would look so funny. Who he are we talking? Dark. Who are we talking about as 
showy then. We like a, a showy action star. We need a flamboyant Johnny Cage. Not a flamboyant <laughs> just one. Cage. Just more showy, like not so not with such a gruff gravel, gravelly voice that Carl Urban has. Okay. Okay. Give, sure. I'd, like I'd, I'd Tom Cruise, like more yeah, oh, Tom Cruise. Okay, you're not getting Tom Cruise. So tell me, <laughs> but that tell me style. who else? Who else you could have? Hmm. Like a pretty. Boy. We'll wait. Let oh, tune in next week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll be um, back. <laughs> Liam Hemsworth might be a good option. Liam Hemsworth. Yeah, like a younger kind of more, like blonde. Yeah, because he's sh- known for like, his karate kicks. Hey. <laughs> yeah. Well, he could. He sorry, could do it. Carl Urban's the way better actor. I'm <laughs> like Carl Urban's known for his karate kicks. No, but yeah. he's known for being awesome. <laughs> well, I'm just saying. One of your favorite movies which I don't understand, is the movie Red, and he kicks Bruce Willis through a glass door. Yeah, but that's not karate kicks. That's... Yeah. Oh, okay. Red's no, so good. there's a lot of fighting with kicking that's not karate. <laughs> they have... Just saying Johnny Cage could do the splits, and then... And then... And then... I'm sorry, but most of, the, most of these stunts are going to be in CGI. So <laughs> that's so, the way life yeah. works so summing, now. So summing up this, Cody has no fill-in better than Carl Urban, but she is. No, upset about I just this. said Liam Hemsworth. Snore. It's not. That's not a snore. Uh, that's not great either. Isn't I don't know. Snore? I wouldn't die on that. Isn't hill. it like a third Hemsworth? Can we go down to like Cooper Manning Hemsworth, Hemsworth on this? I don't yeah. know. The so oldest brother Hemsworth. Jo- jo- yeah, Joe Hemsworth. <laughs> <laughs> He's. He, we could maybe. I think he is. I bet in he'd the be show. available. Yeah, <laughs> we can he'd be available. Why don't we go off the board and make it like an actual actor who plays himself, like Denzel? That's what I'm talking about. We're putting Denzel oh, in everything yeah, now. Denzel. He's going to be in Gladiator. Too old. He's going to be in no. Gladiator. Let's make him Johnny Cage too. Ugh, no, <laughs> too old. Yeah, that Gladiator two cast looks amazing though. <laughs> <laughs> like for real it's it's the best cast of a, a movie that's gonna be terrible i yeah i just feel I so know. bad it's hopefully gonna, really scott pulls it off but i don't know it's gonna be this amazing ensemble cast you're like this is a movie about roman times <laughs> sure why not bringing everything back i know they just added pedro pascal this week yeah <laughs> to the gladiator yeah, yeah. really mm-hmm. to a movie is he gonna it. be at one of the gladiators no idea I don't know anything about this ripped. movie. Last what? time we heard about this movie, there was like a time travel element, but that might have been before Ridley Scott actually came back. Before he was back, it. and now Denzel's going to be in it, which it's going to be fine. It's going to follow Commodus. I, okay, anyway. Maybe. I don't know. No idea. Yeah, it's going to be the kid the, from the original Com- one. Commodus? Is that yeah, the, the. I'm pretty sure that's what his name was in the movie. The it's going to be the cafeterias kid. Yeah. Or... And he comes back and he has to. I don't know something around that. Avenge. I don't know if the he, death. Yeah, I don't know. Let's get through Napoleon, and then we'll see what he's got cooked mm-hmm. up for Gladiator. Kay. Yeah, Napoleon's gonna be great. <laughs> <laughs> that one scene was pretty awesome, actually. Even though I'm not super interested in Napoleon, that scene was pretty cool. Oh yeah, it's gonna look great on the big screen. You're yeah. not excited about anything Ridley Scott will do or has ever done. No, or that's what I have <laughs> you for, though. <laughs> that's right, and I am very excited. <laughs> <laughs> all right uh so i think that can cap off our episode then mm-hmm. let's wrap up this weekend and get ready for book club next week Woo-woo. Woo-woo, book club <laughs> the biggest spectacle event since guardians of the galaxy 100 <laughs> <laughs> percent true <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for uh some people out there uh but yeah everyone have a great weekend with guardians and we'll be back with another episode soon bye bye, bye everybody, everybody.
Thank you for listening to Off The Break Podcast. Find us on all podcast platforms or at screeninsider.co. And be sure to like and follow our Facebook and Instagram pages at Off The Break Podcast.